It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Our next guest, Bryce, is an old teammate of mine. Not in cricket, not in golf, not in soccer, but in paddle. If you haven't heard of the sport, look it up. It's a phenomenal game and it's well worth exploring. He captained England to the 2005 Ashes and more recently he's become one of the leading voices in the game in England for the BBC and here for Fox Sports. He's also an excellent paddle player and I know that because as I said before, I was his teammate. Michael Vaughan, welcome to Sports Day. <laughs> good evening guys, how are we? Very good Vaughan. Have you managed to have a hit of paddle since you've been out here? You've caught me. I've actually booked my first court tomorrow. There's a, there's a couple of courts being built next to the SCG. So um, they've allowed me to have a hit tomorrow before the, they get open, which is uh, very kind of them. So I'll be playing tomorrow, Tom. And so who are you playing with and against tomorrow? The family. The family are all here. They're all pretty, uh, well, they're all very keen. Um, <laughs> my body's not so good these days, so I, I can't move around the court like I, I, I could when I was your partner. But uh, yeah, we'll be happy. I'll tell you what we're doing tomorrow. We're going on the bridge the Sydney Harbour Bridge, and then we're playing paddle. That sounds amazing. It looks like you're going to be cutting the ribbon before it's actually officially yeah. open. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've just allowed us on. It's, it's always handy when you've, um, uh, you're involved in a paddle uh, company in the UK. People think you're like this paddle guru. I'm certainly not. But you get invited to do things like uh, have a hit on a, a court or two that are fresh and new. So uh, we'll take the family along, have a hit. If we've survived the bridge. We've got to get up uh, up on that bridge. I think it's going to be a bit of rain around Sydney as well. Oof. So being on the top of the uh, Harbour Bridge at around one o'clock in the afternoon in the rain could be a challenge. Yeah, don't slip, Vaughnie. Although you're very tightly um, held in on the top of the Sydney Harbour Bridge. I've done that walk. And when you look down below your feet, underneath your feet, you, you, it's actually quite scary. I don't really like that myself. So good luck, Vaughnie, with that. Um, can, we talk some, can we talk some cricket? You were over in Perth yeah. for Fox, as I mentioned. Um, what were your main takeaways from the, from the test win over there for the Aussies? Oh, predictable. Um, Australia are the best team in the world. They very rarely get teams that come here to Australia and compete with them. And we saw that again in Pakistan. I mean, there's only India in recent times that have come to Australia and obviously uh, beaten the Australian side. But I I would think that India are the only side that have really competed. Most teams come here, Australia get a big score, and then the bowling attack just do the rest of the damage. You know, Pakistan, they fought, they, they they played with a lot of heart, a couple of debutants in Karun Shazad and Amir Jamil were excellent uh, with the seam department. But, you know, when you think of that first innings, Pakistan got 271 and we were praising them for the way that they batted. They were miles off Australia. It's uh, it, it's just Australia at the minute are, are just so powerful in these conditions. They're, they're powerful in all conditions around the world. They, they really are an outstanding team. And uh, you have to play incredible cricket to compete with them in these conditions. Yeah, and over the test match, um, time tells the best and the cream do rise to the top and the pressure became completely overwhelming. But you mentioned a couple of highlights in there, Michael. Just the, uh, 
I guess the positive signs around Pakistan, I was pretty buoyant um, yesterday, uh, just just pointing out just those things. I think the bowlers kept improving. Every spell they had, they got used to the conditions. They adapted. They they obviously listened to their coaching staff because they're a couple of debutantes, but they, they're an experienced debutantes, I suppose. But do you see them actually making some further inroads and being more competitive in the next couple of tests? Uh, do you want my honest answer? Give us no. your honest answer, Vaughn. <laughs> no, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I mean, I I just think, you know, that they're, they're a team that's uh, almost going through a bit of transition. Uh, it's the first Pakistan bowling attack that I've seen that hasn't added over 145 kilometres an hour bowler. They generally come here with a bit of pace. Um, they had skill in their bowling attack. As I said, the two debutants were ex- excellent. I, I'd have a bit of a concern about Shaheen Shah Afridi. You know, I think he's a little bit short on gas. He doesn't seem to be bowling as quick. As he did a year or two ago, I know he's had an injury, but um, they certainly need uh, Shaheen Shahbal in a little bit quicker. Um, like it's going to be challenging and tough. You, you just hope that that, that one run out, um, they might be better for it. The pitch won't bounce as much in Melbourne, you wouldn't have thought. So the way that Pakistan bat with a lower bounce in Melbourne, it might suit them. It might uh, give them a bit more confidence to bat for a longer period of time and maybe put Australia under a little bit more pressure with a, a counter punch or two. Um but this Australian side are just a, a wonderful team. They've got you know everything covered. If they have a bad session, and they didn't have too many in purple, when they had like a, a 50-50 session, you just knew the mindset and the mentality in the next session would be for them to dominate. And uh, they pretty much did that in every session where you felt the previous session was a 50-50 session. Warning, we're living through this era now with the Australian team where they are pretty much successful everywhere apart from in India. And of course, retaining the Ashes, not winning the Ashes. But... It's been uh, an unbelievable period under Pat Cummins and before him under Tim Payne, maybe to a slightly lesser extent. Are you in a position now where you can, um, I guess, evaluate the legacy of this team as opposed to, let's say, Ponting's team and Steve Waugh's team? Is it in the same conversation or not quite yet? Oh, I think so. I mean, uh, the, the only thing that they're lacking really is, you know, that, that win in England. Yep. You know, there's not many teams go to India and win, but I guess, you know, if you go to England and win, you go to India and win, well, you're up there with the great teams of all time. But, you know, the last two Ashes series in uh, the UK, the 19 series, they, they should have won that series easily. You know, I, I just thought they blew it away. Obviously, Ben Stokes' innings at Headling was remarkable. Um, they got the tactics wrong at the Oval. Tim Payne made the wrong call at the toss. Um, you look back to the series that's uh, just been in the UK, you know, how Australia would tune up, I'll never know, but they were. They just found a way of winning. And from then on in, I just thought it would be inevitable that they'd get one more victory out of the last three. But for whatever reason, England just managed to punch and keep punching. And Australia eventually just took many, many blows. And England, you know, you know, they changed the team in Mark Wood and Chris Wokes coming in for Headley. And from there on in, Australia were hanging on the ropes. And it was only the rain, really, that saved Australia from losing that series. So... The fact that they've retained the Ashes is a, is big, but you know I look at this uh, Australian side and they sh- certainly should have won at least one of the last two Ashes series uh, in the UK, if not both. Yeah. Were you surprised with, uh, I guess in this last Test match over in Perth, were you surprised with the form of Dave Warner? No, no absolutely not. I mean, David Warner is a headline grabber and when the headline's, I guess, semi-negative, you know, he's got that uh, that mentality and that uh, inner ticker that will always perform. He's, he's like many kind of um, cricketers of the past and of the present that they generally like the headlines. They might not admit to it, but they generally like that little prod. Um, you know, and I think 
the likes of Kevin Peterson in my time. Uh, I look at Virat Kohli. I think he's the kind of cricketer that he's a better player when he's been uh, given a prod, whether it's from an ex-player, uh, someone else in the media. Uh, these players are so dangerous when uh, the headlines almost trigger them into a focus. And maybe David Warner needed it. Maybe he needed that little trigger, that little prod. Um, so if I was the Australian cricket team, I'd, uh, I'd be I'd be sending a few nice bottles of red to Mitchell Johnson. It certainly would. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon you're right, Vaughnie. Um, were you uh, one of the the well, I guess the, the the sum that voted for Mitch Marsh as the player of the match rather than uh, David Warner? What where did your vote lie? No, it, it just went with Mitch. I mean, it was a it was a tough one, but Mitch had such a great game and. You know, you got the key wicket of Baba as well. Uh, I guess <clears throat> being the local boy, that was probably the final sway of who got uh, the man of the match. Completely understand those that argue that David Warner set the game up and without David Warner's big 100, Australia wouldn't have been ahead of the game. So um, I-, I think the fact that he was a local chap um, probably just swayed the man of the match to uh, to that kind of final point that you're required to uh, decide upon a player or two. We had a discussion last night where we ranked Nathan Lyon. Well, I ranked Nathan Lyon as Australia's ninth greatest ever test cricketer. There's a recency bias here, of course. I never saw Keith Miller or Ray Lindwall or, or uh, Fred Spofforth play. but Clary um, Grimmett. Clary Grimmett. Bryce McGain had a number 11. Uh, where do you rank Nathan Lyon in terms of all-time great bowlers, both for Australia and globally, Vaughny? Oh, I mean, I said it on the panel for Fox. Um, Prima, I think he's Australia's most important test player. Yep. And the reason being, when I look at a team, I always kind of look from 1 to 11 and think, right, who could be replaced? David Warner, he can be replaced. There will be a batter that replaces David Warner. He might not be to the, the standard and, and certainly might not be to the strike rate, but there'll be a batter that can replace David Warner. I think Pat Cummins is, is getting to that stage of being hard to replace because he's that good. But there will be a bowler. But Australia don't have a spinner that can replace Nathan Lyon. Now, not many teams in the world have a, a spinner with the quality of... Uh, Nathan Lyon, I, I just think he's a, a wonderful bowler. You know, to think that he has no mystery, um, and, and that's not giving him a, a disservice. He, he just bowls off spin. You know, very good, uh, consistent off spin, over spin, gets a bit of bounce, doesn't doesn't shape it a great deal. He doesn't get the huge drift like a Tim May used to do. Mm. Just bowls very accurately. Uh, the best thing about Nathan Lyon, I think he's a student of the game. I think he really studies who he's bowling to. And I think he works out the pitch better than most. I think he works out who he's bowling to better than most. And that's why he's got 501 test match wickets. And I think with Pat Cummins in the presser afterwards, he says oh, he gets you know about four a game. So another four years' time, the, the 200 more is Oof. on. And, you know, that's, that's the next kind of um, conversation. Will he go past Glenn McGrath? Uh, I think he will. And then... You know, the, the, the big shout will be, can he can he go past the greatest, you know, the king in, in Shane Warne at 7.08? And if he plays for another three or four years, five years, and his body stays fit, uh, I, I think he will. But the, I guess the challenge is his body. We saw his calf go in the Ashes series. And when you get a bit older, you know, and the amount of overs that he has to bowl um, to allow those seamers to, to rotate from the other end is a huge amount. So I hope he does because uh, he's a real enthusiast for the game of cricket and uh, I think he always sends the love of, of what a great game cricket is. And, you know, in, next summer, what's he doing? He's going to go and play county cricket. Yeah. Lancashire fans is a, a crack at the county game for the first time, which is, again, a, a you know, a real good kind of indication of how much he, he loves playing cricket. Because, you know, county cricket, I'm sure he's earning decent money, but it's not going to be life-changing money for Nathan Lyon. Uh, he just wants to go over there and experience it and be around the county game. So he's, uh, he's a fantastic role model for the game. He certainly is. He's all of that. Well said, 
Vorney. Um, what have you made of the Big Bash so far? Average. Yep. You know, I, I, I don't think it's got going. Um, mm. You know, I don't think we've seen too many great games. Um, you know, I don't know what, what can be done. I mean, you'd want probably more explosive overseas players. I, I think the most important thing for any um, home nation T20 tournament, the 100 back in the UK is your, is your own players. You know, they're the key, you know, and getting your, your, your best Australian players playing consistently. I, I know you look at uh, January this year as a couple of tests against the West Indies, but I think next year uh, after the Sydney test match, you know, most of the Australians will be available to uh, play in the uh, the Big Bash, which you go back to last year when Steve Smith came back and played and some of the other Australians, it gave it a bit more uh, of a buzz. I think that's what it really needs. So um, next year and the year after, and I think the year after that, the test match finishes on January the 8th and then the Big Bash will have a few more uh, weeks after that, which will allow the Australians hopefully uh, to participate. I think then you'll see a, a better standard of competition. Hey, just quickly, this time next month, India and England will be just about to start their test series. I think it's a five-match test series in India. Are the English any chance at all here, Vaughny? <laughs> I gave them no chance from 2-0 down in the ashes. Uh, <laughs> or I, I don't give them much chance, but it's Basball, it's Brendan McCullum, Ben Stokes. They they do things differently. Mm. Uh, they won't change the way they play. They'll go after India and try and score quickly. Uh, I guess getting 20 wickets will be tough, but I only look at the way that England played Nathan Lyon in that first test match at Edgebaston, and that was really the first time they faced a world-class spinner in the Basball era. And Nathan got five for and he didn't have to do much. You know, they yeah. got themselves out. And uh, if they go with that approach to the likes of Judasia, Ashwin, Axa Patel, um, they, they could come on the start. I, I, I don't, well, they'll, they'll try and prove all of us wrong because I'm sure many pundits will say this, the same thing. I can't see how you have ultimate success in India by being aggressive all the time. I think you've got to play a bit smarter to, uh, sometimes, but when you get the chance to be aggressive and score quickly, obviously take it. But to try and score quickly all the time on those spinning wickets, I think is very difficult. We've got about 30 seconds. What's going on with Sheffield Wednesday, Vaughny? You are you, We're back. 23rd on the table. Is that right? We're back. Got a new manager, Danny Roll, younger German coach, 34 years of age, and just look at the record since he took over. We're back. Okay, yeah. You've, we'll survive, you've... <laughs> we'll stay up, and I will say next year, watch out, we'll be in the Premier League the following year. Danny Roll, just Google him. Just Google the song that the fans sing and look at the way that he goes around to every single... I think he, I think he shakes every single fan's um, supporter's hand at the end of the game. We have about 26,000. He shakes everyone's hands. We absolutely adore him. Wednesday are back. Vordy, you're 16 points through 22 games. I love your optimism and I also love listening to you and watching you on Fox Tree. We'll speak to you again soon. Cheers, guys.